Good morning, family. I am as surprised as you are with that greeting, as pleasantly surprised as you are. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning as we come together to worship together. I was so touched by those baptisms. God is at work. Amen. As uh, Pastor David shared with us, we saw 176 people come to the Lord yesterday. It was a taste of revival. You may have heard us say this, that we will see transformation of the city through the transformation of hearts. It is when hearts are transformed, it is when people's lives are transformed that we will see transformation. And in the first service, we had some of the people who gave their lives to the Lord yesterday and they were at church today. We are grateful that God is bringing them in. Amen. So I'll continue to share some of the testimonies uh, from yesterday. This one really touched me. So Pastor Roger and his partner, they went to Zoo Lake. Some of us went to Zoo Lake, some uh, Starbucks up the road, some went to Parkhurst. So at Zoo Lake, uh, Pastor Roger and his pastor, they go to this guy. He's standing there alone, and they start sharing the gospel using this card that we've just been trained in. And um, as they share the gospel with this guy, he says, no, 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 no. I know the person who needs to hear this is my wife. She's sitting in the car. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you know, like, okay, you don't need this, but your wife needs this. And they were so obedient, according to my wife's word this morning. Roger and, um, and, and the partner, they go to the wife and they share the gospel with the wife. And she gives her life to the Lord. Amen. Right there and there with tears. And she, you know, every time we do marriage counseling, we always ask the wife, how's the marriage? Because we know she will tell the truth, you know. The guys will give you an executive summary, you know. But the wife says, we have been fighting. That's why I'm sitting in the car and he's standing there. And I was actually planning to go home, take my child and leave the house. It basically, it was the end of their marriage. So what Roger and this lady, they do, they go back to the guy. This is now the gospel and marriage counseling. They take the guy. They bring him back to his wife. They share the gospel. Now he has to listen. And he gives his life to the Lord right there and there. So both of them get saved. They're praying, holding hands at this point. And they went home together. Praise God for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The reason I share the story with you is because every gospel encounter is a setup from heaven. Every gospel encounter is a setup from heaven. God set it up that yesterday God knew that they will be fighting. God knew that yesterday we will be doing this outreach. And that is why today the biggest challenge that I'm going to give to you is, are you aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing around you? So our sermon today is, be different, it is time. As children of God, we ought to be different. And one of the ways we are different, as the Scripture teaches, is for by this shall all men know that you are my disciples when you do what? When you love one another. That's John 13, verse 35. When we love one to another, love for one another, people will know that these guys are different. These guys, they have something that we don't have, and that is love for one another. Let me put it in a different way. So if you were to take a toothpaste tube and squeeze it, what will come out? Toothpaste. And someone said, Colgate. <laughs> we have South Africans in the house. <laughs> Only in South Africa, 
Even Aquafresh is Colgate. <laughs> Only in South Africa. You know, I can go through a list of things that they have just one name. You know, that's South Africa for you. So, with that same revelation that when you squeeze a toothpaste tube, Colgate must come out. So, for us Christians, when we are squeezed, what must come out? Love. Love. That's what set us apart from the world. That's what sets us apart from everyone else around us. It's when even going through challenging times, we just ooze out love. When we are challenged by the economic downturn, we continue to squeeze and ooze out love. So that's the challenge I'm going to give you today. So our topic is loving people, making friends. Some of the greatest skills you can ever develop is in building relationships and making friends. I don't know if you notice that the kingdom of God runs through relationships. Everything that we do is through relationships. We do not make disciples and just walk away, but it is through discipleship that we build intentional relationships. Some of the guys that my wife and I have discipled over the years, they've become dear friends of ours because we didn't just disciple them, tick box, and then move on. No, no, no. We've built lifelong relationships. So we do not believe in disposable relationships. It was Pastor Joey Bonifacio who said, discipleship is relationship. So when we make disciples, we are building relationships. Also, if you can make a friend, you can make a disciple. So that's how simple discipleship is. So our text today is from um, Acts chapter 8, reading from verse 26. And my wife is going to read it for us. It will be up here on the screen. Uh, you can open up your Bibles and read together with us. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down to Jerusalem, to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage, now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamp before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this, his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. 
And when they came up out of the water, the, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through the he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Syria. Amen. Thank you. As we look at this portion of scripture, there's a story that we read about between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, I want us to draw a few things from this portion of scripture that's going to help us about how we should have a heart for the people around us. Now, the context of this text is when you read Acts chapter 7, uh, Stephen had been preaching the gospel, and he was stoned. And then when you read Acts chapter 8 verse 1, there's persecution, and Christians are going out. As they're going out, they continue to preach the gospel wherever they are. And Philip was one of them who left Jerusalem, and he ended up in Samaria. And when he arrived in Samaria, preached the gospel, and the Bible says so many people got saved that the whole city started rejoicing. Now, when you read words like those in Scripture, it's like there was revival that was taking place in Samaria. The whole city was rejoicing. And I want to say to you, that's what we are believing God for, for the city of Johannesburg. We believe for the city to be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe that God is going to help us to turn the city of gold to the city of God. We believe that God is going to help us to see Joburg being called Joyburg. Meaning that the joy of the Lord that's going to come through the transformation of the gospel will bring joy in God's people. Remember what scripture says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So despite all this happening, we trust in God for a revival in our city. We pray and say, God, we know that you've got a plan for the city. And we are placed here for a reason. There's a reason why God has put us here in Joburg to bring his kingdom. Let me put it to you this way. You know, God could have decided to make man and woman, put them on earth, and then they too, he would have just taken us back to heaven. But he didn't do that. Why? It is because Scripture teaches that one of the reasons God put us here on earth was to learn to be loved and to love others. To learn to be loved by Him and to love others. Go and study Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 10. A lawyer comes to Jesus Christ and asks Jesus a tough question according to them as lawyers would do. She asks Jesus this question, says, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And this is what Jesus' response is. Jesus goes to say that you should love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love the neighbor as you love yourself. So he's saying that for you to make it to heaven, to enjoy eternity with the Lord, you need to learn to love. But you first need to learn to be loved by God. I noticed that some of us, we struggle just to be loved by God. And we need to understand that there's nothing that we can do to make Him love us more. We should just come the way we are. He loves us the way we are. So when we get that understanding of the love that we received, we share it with others. And that is practice for eternity. So now Philip shows up coming from this revival 
from Samaria and he arrives in Jerusalem. And when he gets there in Jerusalem, just as he was starting to relax, to chill, the angel of the Lord appears. And I think the conversation between the angel of the Lord and Philip went like this. The angel goes, hey, dude, the Holy Spirit has got an errand that he would like you to run for him. There is this guy who's traveling from Jerusalem to Ethiopia. Can you go and meet with him? Because the Holy Spirit has a plan for his life. So if I was Philip, I don't know about you, I would have said, but God, I just came out of a revival. Great things have just happened. Now it's my time to rest. Nothing wrong with resting. Pastor Roger spoke about it last week. But there are times when we need to be inconvenienced to make him known. There are times that we need to put our luxuries aside to go out and to make him known. God cares so much about the one. God is saying, I'm happy that there's revival in Samaria, but this one person is as important to me as the 99. Remember what the scripture says that he will leave the 99 and go for the one. God cares so much about people that he will inconvenience Philip. He says, guy, I have this man that I want you to get to. That is why I like to put it this way. The salvation of a single sinner is an objective worthy of God's attention. Every gospel encounter is a setup from heaven. The salvation of one sinner. Remember what the Bible says, that heaven rejoices when one person comes to the Lord. Just one. Just one coming to the Lord. Heaven rejoices. Think about yourself. You are sitting here today because someone cared enough to either pray for you, someone cared enough to share the gospel with you, someone cared enough to invite you to church. You notice when we were doing the baptisms, the guys mentioned the people that invited them to church. Can we care enough? Can we care enough to know him and to make him known to those around us? When a person is converted, it's because God had a plan. God made a plan for them to come to know him. So looking at uh, how Philip was aware of what God was doing around him, I want to submit three things to you. And these are the things that I want you to take as a challenge. Are you aware of what God is doing around you? Philip was so much in tune with what God was doing. He was aware that God is doing something and he was willing to be inconvenienced. He made himself available. Are you available? And lastly, we're going to look at the ability to share the good news with those around us. We need to be aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing around us. Look at verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, and this is a desert place. Just looking at those words, this is a desert place. It's like, man, this guy is arriving in this beautiful city, Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit is saying, go to the desert place. Are we willing to be inconvenienced for what God wants to do? Because he cares for those around us. What I liked about Jesus at the door training that we just did this last weekend is teaching us to partner with the Holy Spirit. You know, what is so important is to realize that it is not our job to convert people. I don't know if you're aware of that. It is not our job to convict people even of their sins. It is the job of the Holy Spirit. All we have to do is to be aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing around us. At this training, Scott McNamara, who was teaching, he says, 
God revealed to him that sharing the good news is like going to an apple tree. And the apple tree, is, if it's been shaken, there are certain apples that are ready to come down. So the job of us as Christians is to share the good news. God does the shaking. We just share, and as God is doing the shaking, there are fruits that are ready, there are apples that are ready to be caught, and we should discern, God, what are you doing here? You know, uh, some time ago, about seven months or so, last year, I was taking an Uber from the church going to my house, and you know how Jobek traffic works, right? If you go before 4 p.m., you're fine. If you go after 4 p.m., a seven-minute Uber drive can be one hour. So this particular day, I get into the Uber, and I can discern in my conversation with this guy that he's ready for the gospel, that this apple is ready to be caught. I was like, Lord, can there be traffic today? The only time I prayed for traffic, you know? The only time I pray, Lord, can the traffic lights, no, robots for South Africa, can the robots be closed, Lord, as we go along the way, you know? And as I'm praying the prayer and I'm sharing the gospel with this guy, by the time we arrived at my house, because I I wanted him to stop when we pray, because people still close their eyes when they pray. (laughs) You, You don't want your driver to be... Dear Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. (laughs) You don't want that to happen. So I timed it very well. So when we arrived at my house, you know, like I said, do you mind us to pray? You know, like we prayed. I led him to the Lord. I gave him the one-to-one book. And guess what? Early this year, I'm at the guest lounge. And he says, Pastor, do you remember me? He was here at church. Are we aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing around us? Are we aware that God can use anything and everything, the current electricity crisis, the current economic downturn, the death in our schools? I believe God is calling us back to Him. I'm glad that the MEC of Education is saying, we need your help. We need help. We need to bring prayer back into our schools. Because if you look at the history of Israel, you realize, yes, someone is agreeing with the minister. We need to bring prayer back. You look at the history of Israel. Every time they moved away from God, God will uplift his hand. And every time they come back to God, God will bless them and prosper them. So we are ready to say, yes, let's bring back prayer into our schools. So when we see all these things happening, can we be like the sons of Issachar who understood the times and they knew what to do. Let us understand the times. Let us understand that God is at work even when people think that it's doom and gloom in our nation. Are we aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing? Are you available? That's my next question. And he arose. The the Greek translation of the word arose, it means he woke up from his slumber or from his sleep. And I think that translation actually is good for the millennials, because they understand that Philip was woke. <laughs> Philip was lit. Right there in the Bible, the Bible says he woke up from his sleep and he went. Are we woke to what God is doing around us? And when, as we wake up, we go. We don't sit down. We wake up and we go. 
And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of, and if you spoke it in the Ethiopian language, it's Kandeke, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, of all the queen's treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. I want to pause here a little bit and talk about uh, if this guy was in charge of the queen's treasure, it means he was like the minister of finance. They also need Jesus. They also need Jesus. The Bible tells us that he was traveling from Jerusalem back home. And if you were to do a little bit of geography and some calculations, you can go home and check on Google Maps. From Ethiopia all the way to Jerusalem, that is 2,564 kilometers. 2,564. That's like from Joburg to Cape Town and back for them one way. One way. And then you make some calculations. If they were driving at 60 kilometers per hour, it will take them three to four days. But I don't know about you. I don't think that the chariot was going at 60 kilometers per hour. So if it was going maybe 10, 20 kilometers per hour, probably it was taking them a week to travel. So he would go so far for worship. And we complain about 10 to 20 minutes of drive to come to church. I mean, this guy was longing for a relationship with God. He would travel so far for worship. That's what Scripture is saying. They would normally go, maybe when it's festivals, pass over, because they wouldn't be able to go every Sunday. <laughs> By the time they get there, it will be the end of the year. There were two reasons why I believe God inconvenienced Philip to go for the Ethiopian eunuch. God saw his heart. I mean, you must remember that the eunuch, those times, they were serving the king because they did not have families, so they would just be devoted to the service of the king. And there were eunuchs who were devoted to God as well, but there were those like him who would read the Bible, but he didn't have a relationship with the Lord. So my burden here is... I believe that God was sending Philip to this guy who had a longing for God, who had a longing to have a relationship with God. And God noticed that the same guy is a very influential person. You look in terms of history of the church, he was instrumental in the start of the church in Ethiopia. If anyone ever said, is Africa there in the Bible? The last time I checked geographically. Egypt and Ethiopia was in Africa. So this was the start of the church in Africa through this one encounter. So there are two reasons why God would send Philip to go and share the gospel with this guy. One is because of his longing for God, longing for relationship with God. There are people around us that are having a longing for relationship with God. Are we aware of those people? There are people around us who are influential that God wants to use to start a revival. Are we aware of those people? Now let's bring it home. How many of you here have you prayed for the CEO of your company? How many of you here are you praying for your boss? How many of you here are you praying for those influential people because God loves them too? We can write them off and the mistakes that they make, but God loves them too. So I'm advocating for influential people today. Yes, we need to share the gospel with a list of this, but we also need to share the gospel with influential people. Are you aware of what God is doing around you?
Are you available to make him known? So let me show you what is the biggest threat, threat to the preaching of the gospel. The biggest threat to the preaching of the gospel is a busy life. We have no margin. Now, what am I saying by that is our lives are so overscheduled that we're just moving from one thing to another. We are not even aware of the promptings and the nudges of the Holy Spirit. God may be working in someone's life and he's just ready. It's an apple that's ready to be caught to bring the good news. But we are so busy, we don't have time to make him known. I like one of the books my wife was reading, um, Soul Keeping by John Ottberg. He says his mentor said to him, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life. Now I'm preaching to myself because as my wife was reading the book, you know how when God starts speaking, she goes like this, I think this is for you. <laughs> you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life. And I noticed when I'm living a hurried life, I'm actually missing the voice of the Holy Spirit. When I'm just moving from one thing to another, and I never pause and say, God, what are you doing here? What are you saying to me? I mean, if you missed the, the word last week, Pastor Roger, listen to that word. Having life rhythms that helps you to retreat and hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. We need to avail ourselves to what God is doing around us. You know, um, a lady from church shared this with us last year, that she was at pick and pay, and she noticed the person in front of them was about to pay, but as she was about to pay, she started removing certain things from the basket, putting them back, because she did not have enough to pay. It was at that moment, if this lady standing there was not aware of what the Holy Spirit was doing, she would have just continued to mind her business. But she noticed that this person is not able to pay. And what she did, she says, you can put everything back. I will pay for you. And the reason we do that in this church, we call it the God pocket. Always be ready to help someone who's in need. That's the God pocket. God using you to meet that need. And the lady paid the entire bill and she says, can I pray for you after that? And she explained to her, look, I'm currently unemployed and I'm trusting God for a job. It happened to be a Saturday. She invited her to church. And then on Sunday, they were at church. And after the service, the 12, 12 o'clock service, they prayed together. That very same afternoon, she got a call for a job interview for Monday. And on Monday, she got a job. God is still in the business of answering prayer. Are we aware? Are we available? to be used of God to answer those prayers, to answer those prayers. That's the challenge I want you to walk away with today. I was so challenged by this. Uh, earlier this year, my wife was uh, driving to school to drop the kids. Just for the records, it was her turn. It was not my turn that day. <laughs> and as she was driving, she noticed this gogo walking with this child to school and uh, Stopped and asked them, because you can notice the uniform, you're going to Craigall Primary, and invited them in the car and started a conversation. And um, fast forward, just helping her day in, day out, dropping the kid to school, dropping her after school, helping this lady who's looking after her grandchild, without even sharing the gospel, and later just talked about church. Last week, Sunday, and today, they were at church. 
Being available. It's not even a big of an inconvenience because it's on our way to school anyway. Can we make ourselves available? I like what John Maxwell says. He says, even before you share the gospel, you can invest in a relationship. You can just invest in a relationship because when the moment comes of a need, they will know who to call. My last point is, are you, are, are you able are you able to share the good news as a child of God? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus Christ. Every encounter with the gospel is a setup from heaven. You will see it right here, this eunuch, minister of finance, traveling back from church and reading scripture, and he's still confused with what he's reading. And Philip shows up because he was nudged by the Holy Spirit. He was aware what the Holy Spirit was doing. He was able to share the gospel. Why do I say he was able to share the gospel? The Bible says, beginning with the scripture, beginning with where he was. So when we are aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing in the lives of people, we will begin with where they are. Start the journey with where they are. This was a setup from heaven because the scripture I was reading was really the gospel. It was Isaiah 53, Jesus, the lamb that was crucified for our transgressions. But I believe that Philip knew his scripture. He knew the word that even if he, was, he found this guy reading from Exodus, he would have still brought the gospel. So how unfair are we with the scriptures? How unfair are we with the word of God? We don't need to be experts but if you know your Bible, you know that every page of the Bible speaks about Jesus. Every page of the Bible, you'll find Jesus. And in case you subscribe to this notion, people believe this phrase that uh, by all means preach the gospel and if necessary use words. I disagree with that notion. It's not the Bible. Yes, we can do acts of righteousness. We can do good things for people, help people who are in need. But we also have to open our mouths. Philip opened his mouth. So for people to know the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to open our mouth and share the good news. It's not going to happen by osmosis. We have to open our mouth and share the good news. One of the verses we've read, it says that this Ethiopian eunuch was in charge of all of the queen's treasure. So I noticed that he was so good at looking after someone else's treasure, but not aware that he also carries a treasure. So I bring your attention to the fact that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is a treasure that we carry. We carry a treasure that we need to share with other people. When you read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of His power is not from us, but it's from God. So I'm studying you with King James Version, because it is one of the original translations of the Bible. And I bring you to the ESV. It says that we have this treasure in jars of clay, that the excellency of His power, it's not from us, it's from God. So when we partner with the Holy Spirit and start to share the treasure, there is a power that is at work in us. There is a power that comes from God. Let me read it for you in the NLT. It says, 
we now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile, we are fallible. We are like fragile clay, of, uh, uh, clay jars continuing, containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. This is the most powerful thing about what I'm sharing with you today. When you share the gospel with other people, something happens here. You cannot explain it. There's just a joy. There's a power. You should have seen the people who went out to share the gospel yesterday. When we came back, there was such a buzz. Like there was a joy in the city. There was something that happened as we shared the good news. Some of the guys, as we were leading them to the Lord, I just started weeping because I felt like something special was happening here. Something amazing is happening here. The transformation of a life that can only come through the, through the gospel. There's a guy I have been discipling. Uh, he's from Germany, new in South Africa, and gave his life to the Lord. And he's now going out with one of the ladies here in the church. He's found some treasure in our church. <laughs> There's a lot of treasure in this church. I'm just talking to the single guys now. So this guy, we are talking. I said, bro, since you're going out with a black lady, you know that you have to pay lobola. Just let's sort that one out. I explained to him that, you know, also, you must remember that, you know, like the, the history of lobola, it was about the exchange of gifts. It wasn't so much about what it is today in terms of commercialization of lobola. And we need to redeem that. So as he was listening to me, he says, but this sounds to me like something they used to do in Germany in the olden days. It was called Midgift. So Midgift, if you're German, you can correct me later, the pronunciation. Midgift is when a girl child is born, the father will build a treasure chest. Sounds like my mom's kist. if you grew up in the township. You know, the mothers had the kist where they put all the important things that only come out when the guests come. I said, there's so many similarities to the story. They will build a treasure chest and they will put all the goodies there, all the things that she will need when she leaves the house, when she gets married or when she goes to stay by herself. They, basically, they are preparing her a treasure that she will need later. And the more I listen to this, I realize that we all, as children of God, have a father who's been preparing a treasure for us. And that is the gospel. You all have a treasure. Don't keep it to yourself. Share it with others. We all have a treasure. We don't want to keep it to ourselves. We want to share it with others. Now, this story about the treasure chest, we, there's still more we're going to share. Later in March, we're going to talk about, praise God, it's a girl child. Get ready for that sermon series. So as we close, I notice in verse 29, what we've read, the Holy Spirit tugs Philip again to run to the chariot. And the Bible says to join himself to the chariot. And then he shows interest in this guy. He asks him, what are you reading? Proximity brings clarity. He comes closer to him. And he asks him, what are you reading? And out of that, he gets invited to get onto the chariot. When we show interest in people, they will invite us into their spaces. When we just show interest in people, that's another way of making friends. 
You know, in this church, we call it salt. You start a conversation, you ask questions, you listen, and you tell a story. You start conversations, you ask questions, and you listen. One of the things we don't do well as Christians is we don't listen well. We need to learn to listen to people so that we can start with where they are. They will invite us into their space. I notice how Philip ran to the chariot. There was an agency to sharing the gospel. There was an agency to building a relationship with this eunuch. And when he asked the question, he was finding a common ground. So today, how I would like us to respond to this word is that all of us, let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit, who are the people that are in my circle of influence that may not know the Lord, or they think they have a relationship with God, but like the Ethiopian eunuch, they don't. So I want us to take time and pray for those people, and then also take your cell phone, and as the Holy Spirit is nudging you, send them a text message, send them a WhatsApp, and say, I was just thinking about you. Is there anything I can pray for you? If they don't know you're a Christian today, they'll find out. Just be bold and see what the Lord will do with that. In case you don't have data, we've got you covered. Can you go to the slide with our open Wi-Fi? So all of us, this is how we're going to respond. Take out your phone, send a message to someone. Let's start by praying. Holy Spirit, show us those people that are in our circles of influence. God, we know that you're already working in, our, in their hearts. We may not be aware, Lord God but we want to make ourselves available for what you want to do, Father. And God, I pray that we will have a boldness to make you known to those around us. Lord, I pray that we will not keep this treasure that we have received to ourselves, Father God. May we share this treasure with those around us. Show us those people, Lord God. Show us those people. And Lord, as we do that, Whatever response that they give, we will start with where they are, Lord God, and make you known to them, Father. And Lord, I pray that as we share the good news with those around us, we will experience the joy and the power that comes with the preaching of the gospel, Father. And Lord, I pray for those who are here this morning, maybe they're guests, and they don't have a relationship with you, that also, Lord God, they will hear the drawing of the Holy Spirit, calling you, calling them to yourself, Father. Lord, I pray that we will not be enough with just coming to church and doing church, but God, we will burn with a passion to make you known in the city of Joburg, to love you, to love others, and to transform the city of Joburg, Lord. May we carry those around us to the cross in Jesus name